Listen well to this story I tell, for some is fact and some is fiction, but all of it is true. I'm Bradley Rolfe, and I'm reading my blog. This is part two of a two-part podcast, which is reading a seven-part blog series. But if you didn't know that, why are you here? Go listen to the other one. Or don't. I don't care. Let's jump back in. STL Theater Review 2017, Part 4. Part 4. Again and again and again. Being out and about as much as I am, I wind up seeing different productions of the same show. When you experience something over and over, you begin to take ownership of it. Just as Harry Potter fans or Star Wars fans or West Wingers know, these characters and their stories have become a part of our own personal narrative. We suffer and rejoice with them over and over. I feel my repeat viewings of the following shows have given me a special authority to judge them. Or maybe not. The Little Mermaid. Within a one-year span in the last two, I saw four different productions of The Little Mermaid. I don't even think I've seen the film all the way through, so my concept of the property is strongly influenced by stagings by Family Musical Theater, Take a Bow Showcase, Young People's Theater, and The Muni. Sorting through these various interpretations, I feel like I've gotten to know this script fairly well, and it's a fine show. I think it hits everything that a well-known property adapted to stage expects to. The story and characters are clear and familiar, we get encores of our favorite songs, and depending on how you approach it, the added magic of explosions, roller skates, and puppets. Its themes of finding belonging and accepting others is laudable, however, like many Disney properties, it's pretty easy to pick them apart into oblivion. Yes, Ariel begins looking for belonging and ends up finding it, but the path is one of, make some really poor decisions and you'll end up okay because, well, you're the protagonist. The happy ending feels less character and conflict driven and more, why? Because it says so, in the script, driven. I worry for the children. And speaking of fear for the younger generation, segue into The Drowsy Chaperone. I saw Drowsy three times this year, two of which in the same week. I don't know how MTI makes the decision, but I guess a river separating the two is enough to put them in different markets because Webster Conservatory and SIUE ran their productions at the exact same time. Not a bit of overlap, but the same opening and closing dates. And this fall, I saw the production by Overdue Theatre Company. I've long enjoyed this show, and this season solidified for me the fact that it is so very well written. We follow a man walking us through one of his favorite fictional Broadway classics, 1928's The Drowsy Chaperone. The show comes to life in his living room, and what we see is a love story unfold. I'm not referring to any of the four romances that lead to a quadruple wedding in the sky, sorry, spoilers, but the love story between the man in chair and this show. We see how special it is to him, 
a familiar voice in times of emotional need. It is a comfort to him despite its many flaws, be it the racial insensitivity of the times, a spit take beaten to death, or an overplayed monkey motif. And we, the audience, develop an affection for this man. We see his passion and joys, even though his life isn't all he might hope it to be, and he, too, has character flaws of his own. But if he can fall in love with this flawed musical, and we can fall in love with this flawed character, then maybe it's possible, despite our flaws, someone can love us, too. Oh, and a quick postscript on Mermaid. Here's where it falls in my personal rankings of Disney properties adapted for stage. One, The Lion King. Two, Newsies. Three, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Four, The Little Mermaid. Also, I haven't seen popular favorites Mary Poppins or Aladdin. I also haven't seen Aida, but while it's a Disney production, it wasn't based on an existing Disney property, so I wouldn't qualify it for this list. Also, of the Mermaid productions I saw recently, Young People's Theater had the best boat. STL Theater Review 2017, Part 5. Part 5. New Works Development. Quote, All music was once new music. End quote. This was the refrain of the DJ on the old classical music station in town broadcasting on 99.1 FM, before those airwaves were bought out by the CCM, Christian Capitalist Music Station, in town. This adage does well to shake us out of our chronocentric view of culture. It's easy to imagine that the works of Mozart have always existed, but we need to be reminded that once they were contemporary, once they were a risk. And the inverse of this idea is true too. Not only was all that is old once new, but all that is new has the potential to be the future classics. In the theater, we often fall into the trap of thinking what is proven is best. The work of a certain era is the golden age. But that was all once new, and the new works need risk-taking audiences, performers, and producers. Once again, this town is lucky to have so many resources. I know, for instance, First Run Theater, RS Theatrics, Tesseract Theater, and Stray Dog Theater, among others I'm sure I've missed, all work to support new works in theater. They do this through readings, development and production of local playwrights' works, and or dedication to bringing national contemporary works to St. Louis. This year, I have been fortunate to get first-hand experience, having participated in stage readings as an audience member and as a performer, performing in a pre-premiere production of a developing work, and working on the production side for a workshop of a new musical. Let me tell you about a couple. Honor student. Tesseract Theater. Honor Student is a play by Michael Erickson about a student who brings in a provocative piece of fiction to a college creative writing class. The piece features characters who sound very much like his classmates, professor, and himself. The professor stops him in the middle of reading his story to the class because she thinks it sounds like a threat of violence. 
The student claims it's just a story, and she's trying to stifle his free speech. A bit of cat and mouse ensues, and we weigh the values of what is right, wrong, lawful, fair, reasonable, and administratively expedient. If you are an actor and haven't yet, I highly suggest getting involved in a new script. With a new work, there is little to no performance precedent, so you don't have to worry about comparing your characterization to what audiences may expect. Also, at least in this case, we had access to the playwright. This allowed us to ask specific questions about character background and motivation, which may not be directly stated in the script. Mounting a fresh production also heightens all the best things about making theater. Without precedent to lean on, the importance of the entire creative team is multiplied, and the need to trust the director's vision and your fellow actors on stage is even more immediate. If you ever thought working on a show was an adrenaline rush, work on a new show. It requires everyone to bring their best, and you will grow as an artist. The Gringo, Fly North Productions. This January, I worked as a production assistant for the workshop production of a new musical called The Gringo. Set in the neighboring worlds of Art Basel and the street art scene in Miami, we follow the story of an outsider thrust into both of these worlds. I wound up working on this show through a bit of circumstance and joined primarily because I wanted to see a new show come into being from the production side. I got super lucky in the fact that it happened to be really good. The one-night workshop performance was filled to capacity, and this summer supporters funded a cast recording which is now available to purchase and stream. Not only that, but the show has been selected as the local headliner for the St. Louis Fringe Festival 2018 next summer. So take a listen to the songs, and put Fringe 2018 on your calendar because this show is something special. But aside from that plug, get involved with new works any way you can. The blind idealism and all-hands-on-deck mentality required to make something like this possible is something worth being a part of, and I guarantee you will grow as a person and an artist. Also, talk to and meet all types of people, because these situations rarely have a typical casting call. Usually, you know someone who knows someone, and that's when the phone rings or messenger boops. Find out who is creating and supporting new works, and let them know you want to be involved. STL Theater Review 2017, Part 6. Part 6. Almost Maine is just a terrible show. I saw Almost Maine for the first time this year, and I hated it. To be clear, the Student Experimental Theater Organization at SIUE assembled a commendable production. There were talented performers on stage, and I really liked the staging. They put forth a great effort to transport us even before the show began. The usher welcomed each audience member to the fictional town of Almost, and the AC was turned way down to mimic a brisk northern air. The pre-show playlist and offering of hot cocoa suggested a small-town Main Street coffee shop. They also set the black box in the round with seats in each corner and offstage entrances from all four sides of the room. 
all these elements truly helped set the tone for the slightly off-centered world of Almost Maine. However, the show on paper is just plain garbage. And not only is its construction weak, the underlying message is downright poisonous. First, some brief background. The show is a collection of quirky love story vignettes, and they all involve some element of magical realism, i.e. literal broken hearts and literally falling for someone. Wow, it's worse than I thought. The biggest structural problem with this play is that it fails to keep me in the world it has built from scene to scene. SETO did everything they could to set and maintain the tone, but the script has a certain disjointed je ne sais quoi that destroys the continuity of place. With each new vignette, I found myself forgetting and rediscovering the magical realism and having to reorient my brain to what I was watching. Aside from dropping the town name from time to time and throwing in a few callbacks to characters in previous scenes, there is nothing connecting the scenes together. It feels like the playwright came up with the concept, brainstormed a bunch of quasi-romantic situations, wrote them down, and published it without developing the piece as a whole. The show is trying very hard to be cute, and it achieves only that. But beyond that, Almost Maine is masquerading as something it's not. I personally have a problem with romantic comedies and the romance in sitcoms. They fundamentally have no basis in reality. It's all pure wish fulfillment and satisfying plot conflict and resolution. While not inherently bad, the ubiquity of these situations in popular culture have, whether consciously or subconsciously, desperately skewed our societal expectations of what love looks like. If you take a moment to dissect most TV and movie relationships, they are unhealthy, impossible, or both. But we have been saturated with Disney princesses, friends, and how I met your mother, and when we watch these, we feel catharsis, because guess what? It's good writing! Career writers have found the cheat codes to human emotion, and we eat it up like candy. And, like with too much candy, we wind up with an unhealthy relationship stomachache. So, what's so insidious about Almost Maine? Isn't it just a part of this larger collection of love candy bars? The real trick here is that this play, on the surface, looks like a frustration of that pattern. It appears to be a totally different take on that romance thing. Do you feel like an outsider? Do you feel like mainstream culture is for the popular kids and you never fit in with that? Well, fall into the cold, dark embrace of Almost Maine, where we'll manipulate you into relating to these quirky characters who find true love. Gosh, they're quirky. And so are you. No, these Aurora Borealis-crossed lovers aren't frustrated children who don't know how to express their feelings in a healthy way. They're like colorful versions of Tim Burton designs. And you love Tim Burton because he challenges societal norms. Ignore the fact that all our characters' problems are caused by their own neediness, self-centeredness, and lack of communication. Relish in the fact that they're physical manifestations of the way you feel when you watch Dirty Dancing. Don't be fooled. Developing and maintaining lasting relationships isn't hard work. You just have to wait around until whimsical circumstances make love happen. 
almost main targets an audience who feels on the outside of what television romance is trying to sell, but it does nothing to empower their position. It offers no real resolutions. It's a rom-com for people who fetishize awkward social interaction. As I watched the play, I thought to myself, this has to have been written by a man, a white man. At intermission, I looked up the author, and I was right. There was something about the voice and tone coming through the characters, a voice that lacked a diversity of experience. There's no crime in having a distinctive style, but it was clear every character was coming from a singular perspective. No character had their own voice, their own identity. Maybe its poisonous message isn't intentional. Maybe it's just reflective of the culture surrounding it. Maybe Almost Maine isn't an awful play. Maybe it's a cry for help. STL Theater Review 2017, Part 7. Part 7, Missed Opportunities, and Top 10. As much as I got out, there were still plenty of performances that were on my radar, but I missed. The following are a handful that I wish I had seen, schedule permitting. Oedipus Apparatus, West End Players Guild. Scarecrow Independent Theater Company. 39 Steps, Act Inc., Lieutenant, Inish, Lieutenant of Inishmore, Theater Macabre, Next to Normal, Insight Theater, Into the Woods, Alpha Players, Spring Awakening, Stray Dog Theater, The Spitfire Grill, Hawthorne Players, Titus Androgynous, Young Liars, Of Mice and Men, Slightly Askew Theater Ensemble, Steel Magnolias, Stray Dog Theater. And now, the moment no one's been waiting for because time is an arrow and year-end lists only serve to distract us from the fact that tomorrow is another day just like any other... My 2017 Top 10. The following selections are not measuring greatest achievement. It's not a best of, because I am not an entire editorial board of a journalistic entity with a mission to write and review local art. It is rather a list of shows I connected with over the past year. Appearing in calendar order. Hell, Theater Nuevo. Sweet Smell of Success, New Line Theater. Jesus Christ Superstar, The Muni. Waltzing Babe Victoria, Tesseract Theater. I'm a sucker for theater of the absurd. I fell in love with the work of Harold Pinter and Samuel Beckett the summer before my senior year of high school. That partially explains who I am as a person. This piece debuted at the Grand Center Theater Crawl, and it is a contemporary exercise in that modern theatrical style. It was weird, immediate, and something else. Ragtime, Stray Dog Theater. Hot for T-Rex, Tesseract Theater. Winner of the Fringemeister Award at St. Louis Fringe. There's a bit of press out there if you want to read about it. But yes, it is a story about a writer of dinosaur-human erotica. And yes, the script includes readings from sections of these fictional novels. So there's that. Uncle Vanya, Rebels and Misfits. The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, the Repertory Theater of St. Louis. After seeing this production and Follies last year... 
I am supremely confident in asserting that The Rep is a world-class theater company. I don't think I have anything original to say about this piece, but it was wonderful and emotionally moving and makes the list. Lizzie, New Line Theater. A hard rock telling of the Lizzie Borden story, this production landed the tone perfectly. Not only were the vocal and acting performances of the cast superlative, but the technical achievement was flawless. This show really highlighted New Line's team and their understanding of what they wanted to accomplish and how to use their space to its greatest potential. Hamlet, Repertory Theatre St. Louis. When producing a Shakespeare play, many companies are tempted to shake up the setting or take some radical new direction to make the piece more relevant or accessible to contemporary audiences. The Rep's presentation of Hamlet was fairly traditional, but still achieved freshness. This was the first time I saw this show as a true ensemble performance. Yes, the story and multitude of lines and show title all go to Hamlet, but the court and surrounding characters were allowed to breathe, and when you allow characters to breathe, they come alive. And that's what this show was. Alive. Second favorite Hamlet ever. Next to the immersive production Rebels and Misfits in 2016. But you might have guessed. I'm a bit of a fan. Up next, Looking Forward. <laughs> so, it, it could be said that uh, I intended to write a a preview of the coming year in St. Louis Theater and failed to do that. Or, it's very possible that my uh, up next, looking ahead, was was just a, a really brilliant uh, way to direct the reader to look ahead. And that was my conclusion period because I'm because I'm clever yeah that was probably it I'm probably really really uh I, I, I probably planned things out that way yeah not not much more to say on all this honestly I uh I stand by pretty much pretty much everything I've said here uh maybe uh well Disney Disney ordering I'd say uh, Hunchback and Newsies probably, probably swap for me. Hunchback in two and Newsies in three now. Mermaid's still in four, but maybe kind of like a shared four. I have seen Aladdin now. Maybe it's a shared four with Aladdin, but for different reasons. Each could kind of tip the scale either way. I have not seen Freaky Friday. I have not seen Mary Poppins. Uh, and Tarzan doesn't make the list because while... I love Phil Collins. The man can write a pop song, but he can't really write a show tune. And uh, if anyone has talked to me about Disney theatrical productions at all, um, they know that Beauty and the Beast is the textbook example of an adaptation that misses the mark in every way. Uh, so that's that's right straight down onto the bottom. I don't ever need to watch that show ever again, but I probably will because I'll probably have friends in it. 
and I want to support them. I still, to this day, talk about the year I watched Mermaid a whole lot, um, and I still, to this day, talk about how great YPT's boat was. It just, uh, boy, when you get when you get when you get parents with free time and and skills in a room to to build stuff, man, it was it was very it was so very effective. I just I man. Wow. Reading my blog is a production of me, Bradley Rolfe. If you'd like to tell me why I'm wrong about Almost Maine, I'm on Instagram and Twitter under my real name. If you'd like to skip ahead, links to my blog and other projects I'm working on can be found at anotherwhitesuburbanite.com. 